morning in our series on uh, power, on the word power. And uh, last week, unfortunately, uh, late in the week, uh, I I contracted COVID. And so uh, thank you so much for your flexibility in the season. And Pastor Barry shared about the power of the Holy Spirit through us. So we have gone on this journey. We've looked at the power of sin. We've looked at the power of the Holy Spirit. We looked in us. We looked at the power of the Holy Spirit through us. And today we're going to look at something different. We're going to look at the power of thought or the power of the mind. And I want to tell you a story that I think speaks to the times that we are currently living in. In May of 2016, an anti-Islam group on Facebook, known as the Heart of Texas, created and promoted a rally that they were going to have, have a protest to sort of protest the rise of what they called the Islamization of uh, Texas outside of this mosque in Houston, Texas. And at the very same time that this Facebook group was rallying people to their cause and promoting this event, this protest, another Facebook group uh, known as the, what were they called, the United Muslims of America, so a pro-Islam group, um, was organizing their own Facebook group, rallying people to the cause and scheduling a protest that would happen right across the street from the anti-Islam protest, would be a a pro-Islam protest. And so on the same day, at the same time, the two groups, groups showed up and began to protest one another's presence, you know, waving flags, hurling insults, doing all the sorts of things that you might imagine would happen when two, you know, groups on the complete opposite side are next to each other and protesting different causes. But it was later revealed by U.S. intelligence, years later, that both the pro-Islam and the anti-Islam Facebook groups were created by Russian troll farms deep in some bunker somewhere in St. Petersburg, Russia, that both Facebook groups had managed to rally a group of people in America to their cause, had managed to create an event and get two two sides from the completely different opposite ends of the spectrum on the one issue, all from a bunker somewhere in Russia. And You know, the worst part of it all is that they were able to sow this division and put American citizens against each other, all never, not one stepping foot in the country, and all costing a total of $200 of Facebook ads that were boosted and promoted across the platform. We live in an age that has been particularly challenging on the mind. Wouldn't you agree? It's been a tough, tough era, this age of information that we live in, it's been particularly difficult for the mind. It's a moment where information is so abundant, it's so overwhelming, and we have had these terms enter into our common vocabulary that we'd never ever used even just a few years ago, words like misinformation and disinformation. These these terms have been brought into our vocabulary and are being sort of thrown around to discredit one another's viewpoint. You know, governments, both foreign and sadly even domestic, are using the power of information to advance its own causes. If you don't believe me, just Google PSYOPs, COVID-19. It's, you won't like what you see. We have these apps that are targeting the minds of our children. Here in 
In the West, we have the Chinese-owned app known as TikTok. If you have a, a kid in your home or if, you've been, you know, if you're around young people, you know, you've heard of it, you've probably seen this app, an app that you know, is, is leveraging the brilliance of algorithms. And the algorithms are being tweaked in such a way to reward picture, uh, videos of young kids that are dancing and doing all sorts of stupid stuff, you know, jokes and pranks and so forth. While in China, the TikTok alternative in China, which goes by a different name, does things a little bit differently. Rather than tailoring its algorithms to reward videos of kids dancing and all sorts of stupid stuff, it tweaks its algorithms to reward videos of children building things and engineering things and creating things, doing the sorts of things that they want their young people to be doing. They are rewarding it and tweaking the algorithm in such a way to promote these causes while here in the West our algorithms are showing kids dancing and doing all sorts of stupid stuff. You know, we're really just beginning to learn scientifically about the power of the mind and its incredible potential. You know, the mind has this power to eradicate disease to you know, create vaccines at warp speed, to build cities, to create stories that has you laughing one moment and then crying the next. But it has the potential to create unspeakable damage. Many of us are watching the, the power of the mind in a destructive way at work right now in front of our very eyes. You know, advancement in neuroscience, which truthfully, you know, is only recent. You know, the last few, maybe even decade or two, we are really seeing advancement in neuroscience. And we're really only for the first time in history getting a peek behind the curtain at the potential and how powerful the mind really is. And I think what neuroscience is now confirming is what the Bible has long told us about the mind. That the mind is a truly a fascinating part of God's creation. That there's great power in what we think. That what we think has the power to shape who we are. Craig Groeschel in his recent book, Winning the War in Our Minds, adds, Our lives are always moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What we think shapes who we are. Earl Nightingale says it a different way, saying, whatever we plant in our minds and nourish with repetition and emotion, one day becomes a reality. The question is today, and the question I ask you is, do you like the direction your thoughts are taking you? That when you look into a mirror, are the thoughts of the person looking back at you, are they thoughts that are building you up? Are they thoughts that are making you more like Christ, are building you more into a disciple of Christ? Or are they thoughts that are tearing you down? Are they thoughts that are that pulling you further away from who God says that you are? Because there is so much power in our thoughts. It is so important that we are filling our minds with what is true. Because who defines truth? often defines reality. Whatever defines truth defines reality. And the one that we should allow to shape our reality is the Lord Almighty because he alone is the way, the truth, and the life. The one who is truth is the word of God made flesh, Jesus Christ. And when you know Jesus, when you have a relationship with Jesus, and you abide in his word, not only do you know the truth, but the truth will set you free. 
The truth will set you free from our fallen and futile minds that are debased and deluded and darkened by our own sin. And that is why Jesus came, he said, to bear witness to the truth. The truth that set our, sets our minds fully free so that we can love God the way that we are we're created to love him. The great commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your being. And what is all of your being? It is to love God with your heart and your soul and your minds and your strength. And so that is what I want to explore with you today. What does it mean to love God with all of our minds? How do we love God with our minds? How do we live free from Satan's lies? And how do we break the strongholds of futile thinking? I think loving God with our minds begins is be, we begin loving God with our minds when we recognize that our love for God is tied directly to what we think about God. We need to guard ourselves against a faith that is only sentimental, that is emotional, only emotional, and is anti-intellectual. Because when I reduce my faith to what I feel about Jesus, if my worship is nothing more than an emotional experience, I will be prone to being tossed to and fro by whatever doctrine satisfies my fancy. You know, today, more than ever, believers are falling under this trap. In my generation, shout out to the millennials in the house. I Probably not a whole lot of millennials are here because you're probably sleeping. You know, come to the 1045 service. But if you're a millennial here, a shout out to you. You know, our generation in particular has been extra vulnerable to this trap because we were raised to know God emotionally. But when we stepped into the academic arena, to the universities, when we left our Christian bubble and were exposed to people with different thought patterns of this world, and we were, we were exposed to the philosophies and the science of this world when it comes to things like origins or our sexuality, we were slaughtered and many faith were shipwrecked. But learning to love God with all of your mind is not just getting an advanced degree in theology. It's not just going out and just taking a course on apologetics and learning how to defend the gospel while I would encourage all those things. I mean, because you can memorize all the reasons why, you know, God's design for marriage is the way it is. But if you can't conquer the thoughts in your mind that tell you that God does not love you, or if you cannot overcome the strongholds of unforgiveness and jealousy and bitterness, and if you are struggling to find time with God because you're so addicted to dopamine because you can't put your phone down, well, what good is that? Learning to love God with your minds is not just the acquisition of more knowledge and information about God, but rather it is liberating your minds from the unhealthy thought patterns. It is guarding your minds from Satan's lies and his attacks. It is feeding your mind with the truth of God's words, God's words so you are not being conformed to the patterns of this world, but you are being transformed by the renewal of your minds. Now, I recognize by saying this that this is so much easier said than done. Wouldn't you agree? You know, would you agree that your mind, my mind, can be fragile, it can be distracted, and it can be stubborn, and if you're anything like me, your mind is all those three things at the same time, fragile, stubborn, and distracted. 
And we come into this relationship with God, and, and God makes us alive in Christ Jesus. That is called regeneration. We are spiritually made alive. Once we were dead, we are now alive, and we are now set free to put on the mind of Christ, as you know, it says in Philippians. But now that our minds are fixed on Christ, there is also this leftover residual of our old nature, which includes what the Bible talks about being our dark and depraved minds. And as you can imagine, the two sides don't get along very well. You know, our fallen mind, our sinful nature is hostile to the newfound freedom that we, we, we get in Christ Jesus. Because when you've held power for so long, when you've been the one in charge for so long, you're not just going to give that up so easily, are you? So to love God with our minds, we have to recognize that our mind is a spiritual battleground. That, that our minds you know, is a war. We are at war in our minds. Romans 7, 22 to 23 says, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Your mind is a battlefield. Your mind is a battlefield, and the battle for your life is often won or lost in your mind. You see, before sin is ever born in our hearts, you know, sin is conceived in our minds. And I wonder if the same can be said about our worship, about our love for God. Before we ever worship God in our hearts, we first conceive the thought of his love in our minds. Many of you, maybe those of you who were around back in the 80s, remember the song, Love is a Battlefield? You're already starting to hear it right now, aren't you? We are strong. No one can... Okay. She's not wrong, is she? Love is a battlefield. Maybe not in the way that you think love is a battlefield. The choice of loving God is a battlefield. Making the choice to say no or to say yes to God is a battlefield. And and that battlefield is happening right here in our minds. And so today I want you to know there are three different battlegrounds when it comes to this war in our minds. First is our old self, our old nature, our sinful nature. Romans 7, 15 to 17 says, For this is Paul's words, and maybe you, you've probably heard this before. For I do not understand my own actions. Anyone ever felt that way before? I just don't get why I do what I do. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law. That is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. It's kind of a tongue twister. You know, if you've ever been discouraged of why do I fall back into these old habits or these old thought patterns or these old sinful ways, I want you to know today the person who wrote those words is considered to be the greatest missionary to ever have lived. Like who had incredible revelations of God's truth, who spoke in tongues, he said, more than any of you, I speak in tongues, who was persecuted, yet never wavered, never gave in. You know, he was a a true, just like just a true hero of the faith. Yet here he is saying what we all know far too well, that I do what I don't want to do, and the very thing that I hate to do, I do that. Paul was talking about his sinful nature. And the sin that, he, that w- the sin that we allow to dwell within us will wage war against your minds. 
the sin that we allow that we do not deal with, leaving that sin undealt with, it's like allowing insurgents to remain behind enemy lines. They may be quiet for a while, but eventually they will attack. So the first battleground is our old self, our old nature. Secondly, the second battleground is against Satan. Let us not forget that Satan is not his name. Satan speaks to his title, his function. What Satan is not who he is, it's what he does. And the word Satan means accuser. Because of Christ's victory, Satan's power is limited against you, but his willingness to deceive you, his willingness to lie to you, his willing to accuse you will be limitless. I promise you that. Jesus exposes Satan in John 8, when he says that he was a murderer from the beginning, and he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies... He speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar, and he is the father of all lies. So how does Satan attack us? Satan attacks us through his lies, through his deception. If only you and I knew how many lies that we are told on a daily basis. If only we, we knew, sadly, how many lies that we have come to believe about ourselves and about God. If only we knew just how many of our thoughts are just not even the truth. So the second battlefield is against Satan. Number three, the third battleground we fight on is against the world, is the world. The world in which the Christians are explicitly called to be in but not of because the world is a dangerous place. Now, I know it doesn't look dangerous. In fact, the world can look quite delightful, don't you agree? You know, the world is filled with many desires, and it's similar to the fruit in the Garden of Eden, that we look upon the world, and we see the world as being good and pleasing to our eyes. And the more that we look, the more that we gaze upon the beauty of this world, the more our eyes are filled with lust, and the more our bodies are filled with pride, believing that if I just take a little bite, if I just engage in the world, if I just dip my toe, if I just, you know, just step a little bit in the world, you know, I'm in, I'm in the kingdom of God, but I'm just going to step a little bit into the kingdom of the world, if I just, just have a little bite, just a little, not the whole thing, just a little, I won't certainly die, will I? Now, what is God holding out on me by telling me to not love the world nor the things in this world? What does he not want me to have? What does he not want me to see? The world is a term used in the Bible to describe the, the spirit of this age, of every age, of the systems of this world that are dominated by Satan. Did you know that Satan is called the ruler of the world? And that includes philosophy, opinions, speculations, hopes, impulses, impulses, desires, and aspirations. They all belong to Satan. They all fall under his rule. And I think perhaps this third battleground is the battleground that we here living in the West in this day and age in 2022, here in Ottawa, we struggle with the most. And I think many of us, myself included, we have totally taken the bait. We have fallen prey that we can be in the world. We can dip our toes in the world, and, and there's, no, there's no consequence. There's no, you know, the backlash to doing that because our culture is one that is built on excess. We literally encourage people to satisfy every desire that you have, and our culture sees original sin as anything and anyone who is telling you to sort of constrain or to restrain those impulses. Like that's sin to our culture. Anyone remember the old Sprite slogan in the 90s? Obey your thirst. 
That's more than just a slogan of a soft drink. That is the slogan of this world. Obey your thirst. Don't be fooled by the world's temptations. Why? Because it enslaves you through its numbing effect. It desensitizes you so that you stick your toe in and over time you become desensitized to the effects of this world. It's why porn is so destructive to the mind. You know, long decades, Christians have been encouraging their young people, encouraging the world, do not consume porn. It's bad for your mind. But the most fascinating thing is neuroscience is beginning to show that this entire time the church was right. That it actually is scientifically destructive to the mind because it desensitizes you. It numbs you. And if you don't take my word for it, you know, you don't take the Bible's word for it, Trust science. Isn't that what we're told over and over again? Trust the science. So we've established no change happens in our hearts without it first happening in our minds. We've established that our minds have this incredible power to shape the direction of our life. Spiritually speaking, our minds are a battleground. The front line to the war over our hearts is fought right here in our minds. Do you agree with that today? Anyone with me? I know this... This is heavy. This was not a very fun message to speak, especially in this, 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 this week and everything that we're dealing with. So the question then remains, how do we overcome it? How does the people of God who have Christ living in us, who have the power of God, the Holy Spirit within us, how do we break down these strongholds? How do we win the war in our minds so that we can be free to love the Lord our God with all of our minds? There are three ways. Number one, we need to liberate our minds. Number two, we need to guard our minds. And number three, we need to feed our minds. Let's start with number one. Number one, here's the first thing we're going to do to love God with our minds. We're going to liberate our mind by destroying every stronghold. We're going to root out every lie. We're going to take away every ungodly thought. And we're going to take those thoughts prisoners for Christ Jesus. Amen? Second Corinthians 10, 3-5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Don't don't just notice the words that Paul uses. Notice the tone. He is declaring war on every destructive thought, every lie, every stronghold that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Because when these lies, these thoughts are not confronted, they become strongholds. That word stronghold literally means like a castle that's up on a hill that when all else is lost, you run and you retreat to the castle, but the castle is unreachable. It's, you know, because of how, where it's situated, because of the strength of its walls, because of its position. You know, and the less you and I are willing to confront these thoughts and these lies, the more stronger and the more fortified these thoughts have over us. But Paul says, we don't wage war like the world does. We wage war. We're in war. Remember, the entire premise of our summer series was, you are in spiritual conflict, whether you like it or not, whether you believe in it or not, you are. And we don't wage war because we have access to a a different power than the world has. And it's a divine power. 
Because in our own strength, our strength, our own abilities are, you know, impossible to demolish these strongholds. But we have divine power. What is that divine power that demolishes strongholds? Well, it's God's truth. It's the power of God's truth. It's the Word of God. The Word of God, which we speak over those lies. That when those lies come into your mind, when those thoughts creep back in, when, when we recognize them as lies, we speak to them God's truth. I remember as a young person, this is so embarrassing, growing up in a Pentecostal church in the 90s, we used to watch these end time movies. You remember them? Like Tribulation or like Thief in the Night. And we'd have these parties and we'd watch them and they're about the end times. And I've got a lot of trauma, okay? Like I probably shouldn't working it out on, on the pulpit. It's probably better behind closed doors with the counselor. But I remember afterwards being so terrified. I would lie in bed awake scared of the demonic and scared of Satan. And I, and I remember over and over again, I would just lie there in my bed and I'd be like, God has not given us a spirit of fear. God's not given me a spirit of fear. God's not given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And I would pray that over and over. And guess what? The fear would disappear. The fear would go away. For God has not given me a spirit of fear. Where do I learn that? Where does that come from? Who quotes that? What book is that in? You know, who, God's word says, for as he has not given us a spirit of fear. Christians do not have a spirit of fear. We have a spirit of power and love and a, and a sound mind. And so we speak God's words over the lies. What did Jesus do in the wilderness when Satan's lies were, were being used against him? He quoted God's word. He said, it is written. It is written. And so because the word of God has such great power, do not be surprised when, the, when Satan will try desperately today to delegitimize God's words. Today you are seeing more and more this subjective belief that God's word, it's not, you know, it's not authoritative. It can be interpreted in this manner or that manner. And do not be surprised to see Satan deceive you to think that God's word is not living and active in you and is not authoritative to bring down strongholds. Because if, there, if Satan wants to keep his power and keep his domain, what's he going to do? He's going to try to discredit the very weapon that God has given you to tear down those strongholds, which is his word. So how do we liberate the mind? Expose the lie. With God's word. Starve the lie with God's word. Remove the lie with God's word. And then replace it with God's truth. So we love God with our minds by liberating the mind. Second, we love God with our minds by guarding our minds. By keeping watch over our minds. Because once strongholds are leveled, we need to be on guard against those thoughts creeping back into our minds. You know, Jesus tells the story in Matthew 12 of a, of a, um, a person who is delivered of an unclean spirit, uh, but this unclean spirit, not finding anywhere to be at rest, actually comes back to the person to have a look and to see, you know, that was my old home. I was comfortable there. And what the spirit sees is that the house has been swept clean, but the key word is it's vacant. Nobody's at home. It's tidied up, but it's empty. It's unoccupied. You know, as Christians, we have to 
do the careful work of standing guard over our minds. Parents, God has given you the responsibility and the authority to stand guard over the minds of your children. So that we best be watching and standing guard over what they watch over what the teachers are teaching them, over what they are looking at on their phones. Because I'm telling you right now, the world is not neutral against your child. The world and Satan is actively hostile towards your child, but God has given you the responsibility and the authority to stand guard over your children. And if you need wisdom, God will give it to you. You just need to ask. So we use God's word to liberate the mind, but we also use God's word to guard the mind. You're going to notice a repeating theme here when it comes to how to love God with our minds. It's why the best thing that you and I can do to guard our minds is to get to know God's word. Study God's word. Memorize God's word. You know, growing up, I was always told, read your Bible, read your Bible. Why? Why do I need to read my Bible? Because the more you get to know God's word, the better you will become at recognizing what's a sheep and what's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Because if you don't know God's word, if you're a Christian, I mean, great, like your salvation is secure and all that. But if you don't know God's word, how are you going to know what truth looks like? If you don't know what God has to say, someone's going to say, a thought's going to creep in your mind, and you're like, well, I guess that's true. But if you know God's word, you can expose the lie because you know that's not what God's word says. That's not what God says about me. It's not what God says about, you know, this world. So we need to study scripture, memorize scripture. I'm a big fan of, of the idea of a daily affirmation where you expose the lie. You write down the lie. What is the one lie that you are being told over and over again? Write it down, and then underneath, write the truth against that lie. What's God's word say about that lie? Because I promise you, there's going to be somewhere in the Bible that's going to speak to that lie. And then every day, you wake up, and you look in the mirror, and you declare that over yourselves. Because there's power in, I believe there's power when we speak. We have great power over our thoughts, and our words have great power over our thoughts, especially when those words are God's truth. So liberate the minds. Guard the mind. And the third way we love God with our minds is we feed our mind on God's truth. Proverbs 15, 14 says, A wise person is hungry for knowledge, while the fool feeds on trash. You can feed your mind on either truth or you can feed your mind on trash, but either way, you got to eat, don't you? <laughs> your mind, you got to eat. And your experience has shown me over and over again that it's true, you are what you eat. The fruit of your life is a byproduct of what you feed your mind with. It's like my mother used to say, if you sit in front of that TV all day, your brain's going to turn to mush. We can feed our minds with trash, we can feed our minds with the truth. We can sharpen our minds. We can, you know, we can care for our minds because when it comes to God's word, we use God's word as a weapon against strongholds. We use it as a filter against what's a lie and what is true. And we use God's word as a healthy diet of what is truth. And to talk to any good athlete who will tell you that performing at your best requires careful precision of what they put into their bodies. You think those folks who went to the Olympics went because they were extremely athletically talented? Absolutely. But what separates, you know, the good from the great often comes down to that careful precision of diets and so forth. How much more do you and I being to be at our spiritual best requires careful precision of what we are putting into our minds?
So today, let's love God by demolishing those strongholds. Let me ask you, what strongholds do you need to overcome? What strongholds? What thoughts have been fortified in your mind? What lies have taken over, have have a stronghold? Which are you tired of living with, tired of falling for, tired of defining who you are? What battleground of the mind do you need to step up the fight against? Is it your flesh? Is it the desires of this world? Is it Satan's lies? Finally, what habits and disciplines do you need to create to foster a healthy pattern to feed your mind with God's truth? To stop the lies and those thoughts at the gate of your mind and send them back to where they came from by declaring God's truth. You know, ultimately the question is, what sort of person do you want to become? Because when you stand in the mirror today and that person looking back at you, that person has been formed over and over by those thoughts and those lies and and, and the truth that we believe. It's a combination of it all, isn't it? Because in 10 years, we're going to look into the mirror and there will be someone staring back at us. And that person that we see in 10 years will be the product of the thoughts that you and I have today about ourselves, about God. But here's the good news. You have Christ. You have Christ. And because you have Christ, you and I, we can put on the mind of Christ. You have the power of Christ living in you to guide you and lead you towards truth. You have the weapon of Christ in your hands, the sword of the Spirit, God's truth. There's a reason why the Bible says God's word is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. So if you are tired of losing the war in your mind, in a moment we're going to stand and we're going to pray together, but I want to invite you after service today, come receive prayer from one of our prayer team members. And I want to encourage you this. If you can take home anything, do this. What's one lie that you can expose and replace it with the truth? What's one lie? Write it down. Write it in your phone. Declare the lie, but declare the truth. And then every day, tomorrow, wake up, look in the mirror, and declare God's truth over that lie. Declare God's truth. Would you stand to your feet? Let's just, now let's pray. Lord, we, Lord, we recognize the heaviness of this topic, Lord. I think we all today, in, in some way, Lord, have fallen prey to the, um, the moment that we live in that is just, I can't help but describe it as just an onslaught on the mind. Just a full-on offensive against the mind. And the mind of our children, too. Lord, help us to wake up and recognize, Lord, there's a reason why there's a mental health crisis happening all around us. And it's because, yes, all these external things that are outside of our control have contributed. But, Lord, I think that, truthfully, the reason why we are suffering so much, Lord, is that we don't know how to, we're struggling to love you with our minds. We are struggling in that area, Lord. And, and God, I, I believe that so much of our mental health crisis, Lord, so much of our, of our struggles right now could be overcome today, Lord, by just bringing these thoughts and subjecting them as prisoners to Christ Jesus our Lord and taking thoughts captive, Lord, and demolishing strongholds. And Lord, so we just acknowledge the struggle today. I don't know what thoughts are in people's minds today. I don't know what lies they've been told, Lord. I just know what your word says, and I know that I imagine there are many today struggling with this very thing today. 
Lord, we live in a day where we have a very difficult time discerning what's truth and what's false. But God, I believe in all my heart, Lord, that you have equipped us so that we can discern what is true, that you have come to bear witness to truth. Lord, and when we abide in your word, when we are feeding ourselves with your word, Lord, when we are using God's word as as the way that God's word is intended, Lord, I believe in all my heart, Lord, that that truth will set us free, free from the difficulties of our mind, free from the the prison of our mind, free from the strongholds and the thoughts, and Lord, and, and, and so I pray today that in every person's just in their minds, they put confidence in them, Lord, because greater is he that is in them today than the he that is in the world. And you, you have overcome. You are victorious today. And so victory is not even a question, God. We can achieve victory in our minds. We can win the war in our minds. Lord, I just pray today that we all begin with a revelation, Lord, of who you are and your truth, Lord. And Lord, I pray today that we would we would just, you know, just humble ourselves, Lord, and just, if we have been struggling, Lord, we confess our struggles to you, Lord. We would just say, God, my mind has been struggling, Lord. My thoughts have been, you know, just waging war against me, Lord, and against the truth that is in me, Lord, and I just want to say in Jesus' name, enough, Lord. I am tired of losing ground, Lord, and in return, I want to begin to take back ground in Christ Jesus. I want to begin to bring down those those thoughts, to bring down those lies, And Lord, so help me and just to get in the word, to know what is true, Lord. I pray that I would surround myself with people that will build me up, not tear me down. Lord, help me to get into Christian community where life can be spoken over my life. Lord, where I can be held accountable for my thoughts, Lord. And so I pray those three things over every person here today. Lord, what needs to be liberated Lord, help us to liberate that in Jesus' name, to bring those down, Lord. And Lord, I pray that you'd you know, also instill in us just a godly filter to discern what's true and what's a lie, Lord. And I pray that we'd guard our minds today and guard the minds of our young people so that when the lie comes, it would be stopped right at the door of our minds and, send the, and those lies would be sent back to where they came from, from the pit of hell. And Lord, we just pray, cultivating us healthy habits of feeding on your word, feeding on truth, oh God, so that our minds are sharpened, Lord, that our minds are healthy, God, because they are being just, just being fed on your truth, Lord. I pray we would eliminate the trash. We'd eliminate the things of our mind that are just of this world. It's not neutral. It's not neutral. The things of this world are hostile against the things that are of God. So help us to rid the trash, Lord, and to cultivate healthy minds that are filled with God's truth. Lord, we know we can do this in your name. In your name, Lord. So in close, Lord, I just pray, help us to put on the mind of Christ today, to wear the mind of Christ so that we can love the Lord our God with all of our minds. We pray this in your name. Amen.